Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Kariwal. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, pretty good, Riley. How are you? I'm thriving, man. I'm thriving. Uh, J.W. and I stayed up a little bit late, a little past my bedtime last night, talking shop, and I was dead tired today <laughs> as a result. <laughs> So we got some we got some good things me. accomplished we got some good things accomplished and we have something exciting to uh kind of tease you with the uh, tag team podcast we are coming up with some uh, merchandise we got some some designs in the works that we're really excited about and we're hopefully going to be showing them off to you in the next couple of weeks yeah it should be coming actually pretty shortly here down the pipeline and I'm genuinely excited about this. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, be repping at definitely NIC, maybe Milwaukee, depending on timing. Maybe we can get something made. Uh, at worst, we'll have something cooked up for Worlds. <laughs> yeah, Worlds. For I think I think Worlds is like my timeline. Right. If we can get something, if we can fast track it though. I mean, if we could get something for NAIC, that'd be sick. For yeah. Sure. Uh, Milwaukee's probably unlikely, but definitely Worlds. We'll have something, um, and we're excited to share the wealth with you all but of course merch isn't the only thing we've been up to so jw what's been going on in your world man oh uh, we installed a raised bed i think that was i told you that last week i don't think um so. oh, right. oh okay we installed a raised bed garden out back oh yes the garden yes yes with the kale and the cucumbers and the tomatoes, yes the so. Cumbies. so that's really going well because the the little peppers the little green peppers uh-huh they're coming in nice and full Yummy. i mean they're they're about an inch or so at this point but it's pretty optimal size well some would say <laughs> you know you work with what you got <laughs> you definitely work with what you got <laughs> <laughs> but uh besides that i'm trying to think over oh, this weekend of course i went to a tournament up in akron ohio and what was uh, you know e- even better about that is i uh went up with my brother who <laughs> came down for his first ever pokemon tournament and he went with me to Saturday and Sunday, so it was pretty exciting. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. How's How's your brother liking it? Like playing the cards? I think he's addicted. <laughs> yeah. That's That's my um, understanding. I mean, he's like, he's. I I feel like I remember where, you know, he was. I was there maybe, ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like I know the feeling though, right? Like now yeah. I just. I wish I had more time to play, right? That's where I'm at. But he has, you know, time, right? No kids and stuff, no other obligations. Uh-huh. So he can just he can just play. And I remember being in those days, you know, where it's like I'm just rolling game after game on PTCGO, just like can't get enough. And you know, I just just need one more win, just one more win, uh, that kind of thing. So I think he's there, which is cool. It's just like I can't always be there to be the testing partner for him, you know. So that's what I feel the worst about. That's me with the with the Reggie deck right now. Just game after game, <laughs> nonstop playing the deck. <laughs> yeah, you're insane. Just before you know? we started the cast, I was hopping in the Discord, and I'm like, Riley, we got to stop, man. We got to stop playing the Reggie deck so we can record. <laughs> Literally, this is, like, actually a thing that happened. <laughs> I, You know, I, I hyper-fixate on these goofy little one-prize decks every other set or so, I would say um and reggie is definitely that guy <laughs> i mean reggie is very real and very fun yeah. so i can't fun. blame you 
super fun. But of course, we'll be talking about all sorts of metagame analysis here. And really, if we start from the top, we'll just take a look at the full grip tournament. Uh, and of course, that one was a very successful event run by full grip gains. It was pretty cool to see to get over what, 140 standard players in attendance, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mm -hmm. While competing directly against a regional is very yes. impressive to me. Um, so shout outs to full grip friends of the cast for putting on an awesome show. And we got to see some cool stuff. We got to see some old staples continue to thrive. We got to see some new decks, old decks with new flavor. Um, and it was overall like just a really interesting tournament. You know, we saw the previous brilliant stars full grip event actually did have a pretty significant impact on the immediate, uh, mm -hmm. couple weeks following it. When we looked at the brilliant stars metagame mm -hmm. like that Arceus Duraldon deck certainly did not prove to be the single best Arceus deck over the course of the format, but it was everywhere in the weeks following, uh, the full grip tournament. And, you know, you have to imagine some of the breakout stars from full grip again, will will have that kind of staying power. So yeah. let's, let's talk then about what went down for the uninformed, uh, at the full grip 3.5 K standard event, Grant Manley ended up victorious with a very straightforward Mew deck. I think this is actually the same Mew deck I had built on my standard ladder for Brilliant Stars. Yeah, uh, I mean, seriously, there were no new cards from Astral Radiance in his list. It was very no. much copy-paste from the last format. And it was, I mean, Mew, like, in retrospect, you know, you can say, oh, you know, of course Mew was, like, the best call. But I think when you're, you know, seeing it in person, there were so many people that were playing Palkia or playing Ice Rider, and a lot of people that were teching their Arceus decks for the Palkia Ice Riders instead of Mew, or lessening the counts of their Mew counters to accommodate for this kind of unknown in Palkia. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, the, the metagame has definitely shifted to an interesting spot because Palkia was kind of the target on its back type deck heading into the full grip 3.5k you know it's the new card everyone was excited about it it was clearly very strong and as we get more and more of these powerful decks it becomes harder and harder to answer them all at once mm -hmm. and i think no deck thrives better with like direct without direct answers than Mew. would you agree yes, with that yes i completely agree and i think there's um kind of we can take that a step further and talk about specific decks that are hard counters to Mew, or are at least somewhat difficult for Mew to beat. So the Whimsicots of the world, like pretty difficult for Mew to beat. Uh, Duraludon, also, you know, not the worst deck to play against, but certainly difficult to beat. And now you're adding into this mix Palkia V-Star, which, you know, certainly has a very, very strong Whimsicott matchup, and, uh, you know, I'd imagine a pretty uh, favorable uh, Duraludon matchup as well and that eliminates some of those big counters that we saw from the last format for Mew that kept it down additionally just the fact that Palkia is in the format and is a factor means that all the Arceus decks have to come up with some kind of strategy against it whether that's taking out some of their dark attackers to put in some lightning attackers whether that's completely shifting away from dark attackers because they want to tech harder for the Palkia they think that might do better um, I certainly saw that at the full grip games 
uh, 3.5K this weekend. Or it's, you know, some other... Um, uh, you know, uh, just accommodation like playing a bunch of Avery or something. I just mucking up the deck is what I mean to say <laughs> to try to accommodate for the Palkia. Um, you, you definitely saw a lot of that happening, which makes it a little bit less of a harsh environment for Mew VMAX. And it's really no surprise that it was able to win. And I, I think even expanding onto that as well, like even if we take a step back from, uh, you know, the Wimscots and the Droudons and the Arceus decks. A lot of decks were, you know, jamming in these dark packages as well. It's certainly Mew has proven that it's able to play around those kinds of things, but repeatedly they kind of wear Mew down is how I look at it. Like if you're a Mew player and you hit an Arceus Dark, you'll probably beat them like half of the time. But that means half of the time you're losing. And the same thing for like all of these other dark right. And if decks. the and if the field is you know you're playing Arceus Dark after Arceus Dark after Arceus yeah, it dark. wears you down, right? Like eventually you stop to you get out of contention because you're you've been hitting too many of these 50 50s and you're losing eventually um and that also goes for like some of those like one prize dark boxy type decks and all of those matchups kind of were washed away so to speak you know at pun not intended but you know in retrospect i wish it was by palkia you know palkia is very overwhelming for those types of decks uh, the dark boxes, it can use the Greninja, it can use the Greninja, Radiant Greninja's attack to snipe the Drizyles and the one prizers out of play. Um, against the Arceus decks, it can just really overwhelm them if they go wide with like Inteleon Arceus Dark. Um, and it gets hard to, to counteract that very quickly. Right. And so the dark decks kind of fade away, which means Mew has this huge opening to just slide in and, and do a ton of damage on the format. And that's exactly what we saw Grant Manley take advantage of. There's also another Mew in the top eight. And I think there's maybe even one more in the top six, multiple more in the top 16. Yeah. Uh, so Mew definitely had an amazing showing at the Full Grip Games event. But that's not to say that there were no new faces either. You know, Mew, I think we're all relatively familiar with Mew. Hopefully it's not too big of a surprise that Mew did well in kind of a new metagame. I think that's where Mew thrives the best. Um, but the water decks showed up and they showed up hard as well is what I would also call out, you know, second and third place, both using different takes on water. Uh, in second place, we had Josh Frink, who is playing the ice rider deck with the new addition of radiant halucha to be able to reach for higher damage numbers against those V maxes, you know, the muse of the world, particularly, uh, also the mirror match. And it also played a 1-1 Palkia line, both as an alternate attacker and a way to power up your Ice Rider without using Melanie, which gives you the flexibility to use cards like Boss, to use cards like Roxanne, to use cards like Leon, to really up the power level of the Ice Rider deck. Now, JW, what are your thoughts on Ice Rider? Because mine are, are still that it's mostly just kind of okay. Uh, I played a lot of Ice Rider, actually, that weekend. Uh, while I was sitting at home grinding away on TCGO <laughs> and I was a little underwhelmed by the deck I would say it just still had yeah. that same ice rider inconsistency to it is what it felt like well it's really interesting that you say that because if given my opinion I've actually played Josh Frank the second place finisher in my round one and I knew that he was playing ice rider and I was playing Palkia and I wasn't playing any big charms so I knew that his ice riders were going to be able to one shot my 
main attacker, the Palkia V-Star, and I wasn't going to be able to one-shot in return. So I knew it was just a really, really difficult matchup, and I was kind of hoping, okay, maybe there's some way I can take advantage of, like, a slower start. Maybe I can snipe the Drizziles. Um, maybe I can just kind of overwhelm him with early pressure like Palkia tries to do. Mm-hmm. But in all the games, I really wasn't able to do that. He drew, I, you know, I'm not going to say like, oh, he drew uh, the nuts every game. But um, it did really feel like the deck flowed extremely well. He was able to get two Sobbles down and, you know, two Ice Riders down both of the games that we finished like it just really um flowed very well and he probably should have won both of the games he admitted in the first game that he made a little bit of a misplay with his uh v-star power um attaching to the bench instead of the active and then his ice rider got stuck and it was just a little bit of a uh, kind of an awkward situation at the end and i was able to squeak out one win there um but yeah i mean his deck just flowed extremely well and i was really impressed with the ice rider because like you said I haven't really been a big fan of the Ice Rider deck either in the past, but I do think that the Palkia shores up a lot of the issues. I do think Palkia helps a lot. I do think Palkia helps a lot. Although I will note that we saw kind of the the inverse of that popping off in the the finals, where Mm -hmm. Josh Mm -hmm. really struggled to get going at all versus Mew, just did not get enough Pokemon in play, was getting his Ice Riders knocked out like very consistently at the start of the game. Um, and the deck kind of just like fell apart <laughs> after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's something that is necessarily unique to Josh playing against Grant Manley in the finals. I think that's mm-hmm. something that is inherent to the Ice Rider deck. Whether that means the Ice Rider deck isn't good, I, you know, remains to be seen because getting that one shot on the V Stars is certainly a very valuable trait. As more V Stars enter the meta, it only becomes more of a valuable trait. You know, in the last format, you only really played Arceus, right? So, yeah, you're one-shotting Arceus, but, you know, Mew was still a huge threat. And that was, like, the other half of the metagame. Whereas now, if the metagame is, like, one-third Arceus, one-third Palkia, and then one-third everything else, you know, now Ice Rider has, like, a nice little niche it can slip into where it one-shots even more of the metagame than it did in previous formats. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think Ice Rider is here um, to stay. You know, I wouldn't say that it's a... It doesn't feel to me like a, you know, an, an S-tier deck. Um, it doesn't feel like a format-defining deck, but it feels like a very solid deck in the metagame that you just need to be prepared for. I'd say, like, high-tier two. You know, it just feels like... Um, again, like you said, if the meta is very um, V-Star-dependent, and especially V-Star without choice belts which a lot of decks have been dropping. Um, Palkia big Charms really hasn't, or Big Charms, sorry. Yeah, Big Charms, um, which a lot of decks, you know, either haven't been playing, which we really didn't see a lot of Big Charm with the Palkia variants that were doing well. Um, or, you know, I think they've been kind of dropping out of the Arceus builds in favor of a little bit more aggressive choice belt, um, you know, gusting Zigzagoon shenanigans. So, yeah, that's kind of my my take on it. It didn't feel like overwhelmingly strong, although in the couple games that I played against Josh, it really popped off. Um, it fe- it feels like a, a known presence at this point. It feels like a, a deck that you know uh, will will comprise um, you know a, a decent amount of the overall metagame, but not something that I think will ever dominate the metagame. I can agree with that. Yeah. So let's take a look at the other side then of the water coin. So. Ice Rider, of course, getting second place, but really the star of the set 
has been Palkia V-Star. That's the mm-hmm. card that's really gotten people talking. It's the mm-hmm. one that we spent a lot of time talking about last week. JW even played Palkia I at did. the Full Grip Games event. And I kind of bashed on it a little bit. I was, you know, in my head, Palkia doesn't have much um, that's, like, going for it better than Arceus. Like, Arceus and Palkia, to me, feel like similar decks. Obviously not the same. There's there's very, like, different, um, you know, uh, kind of... Kind of uh, how how they bring their uh, strategies to fruition, but um, you know you're trying to set up this V star, you're trying to hit for that like 220 number on turn two um, with a gust potentially, and like you have some other tools that you can work with around that main attacker. So it felt like to me kind of similar in essence to Arceus decks, but I was kind of hating on the on the Palkia deck before the tournament because I'm like, why is this better than Arceus? <laughs> Yeah, and you ended up playing it. I did end up playing it. So what kind of, what shifted your mind then? Like, why did you think Palkia was a good choice for this tournament after maybe not being a believer in it? Well, I wanted to play it, for one, just to get, I mean, it's kind of low stakes. You know, it's high stakes because there's money online, but it's low stakes because, you know, I'm not gunning for championship points or the clout (laughs) that comes from from a... quote-unquote real event right um so so there was that right to kind of get a feel for it to be clear you value clout more than money well that's true i mean what would you rather have probably money really in pokemon i mean the most money you can make is like winning worlds right so well that comes with infinite clout as well so well i agree so i'd rather have the clout you're saying that you would want to take away all the clout from winning worlds and just get the money I don't think it's necessarily like that's what you're a saying. One-to-one trade. That's what literal words out of your I mouth. I mean, I would trade the clout if I could know that I won worlds, get all the money, and have the trophy and stuff. Like, yeah, <laughs> but that's besides well, that, the point. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but what ultimately made me want to go with Palkia is I th- kind of thought that people wouldn't have found the optimal lines against it. So it was kind of, it felt to me like it could kind of be a, um, it could kind of catch some players by surprise. You know, mm-hmm. it was an unknown quantity, right? Like people knew at this point, for the most part, how to play against the Arceus decks. People know at this point how to play against the Mew decks, how to play against... And how do you play you against know. Arceus decks? You want, you want to share the secret? Well, I'm just saying like they know <laughs> kind of what's in the list. Yeah, they I know, know you know, like what their strategy is, <laughs> right? And it's like against Palkia, maybe there's, you know, different things like obviously you don't want to overbench, right? That's a thing that I thought of that I could maybe catch some people um, overbenching or, um, you know, there's just, it's an unknown quantity. People haven't You're really tested that much against it. Right, right. I'm a genius and, <laughs> and everyone else is, you know, just, just a little plebeian. So I was hoping for that and... I didn't quite get that because a lot of people were either playing Palkia or playing a rogue deck. I played a lot of rogue decks that didn't really care about the Palkia strategy. Mm. Um, so, so for me personally, it didn't really work out the way I was hoping to. But um, yeah, I kind of saw Palkia as, as maybe a little bit, um, you know, going for that aggressive style that the Arceus wants to do. I was like, okay, they, I can see, you know, getting a turn two knockout on a V um, seems to be you know, very real possibility with the Palkia deck. And then again, maybe players won't know exactly how to play against it. 
So those are my thoughts going into the weekend. And for me personally, it didn't quite work out. Again, there were four in the top eight for Palkia decks. You know, Palkia Ice Rider, you know, we're going to count that. But <laughs> four decks that had Palkia in it, and two of them, the Palkia was the main attacker. So it had a really nice showing, just didn't really buff out for me. So, you know, you, you kind of explained your logic for how you arrived at Palkia. You explained why it maybe didn't work out for you. Why do you think Palkia was successful for some of these other players? And in fact, Arceus didn't really see much success at all in terms of the top eight. So why do you think Palkia kind of rose to the top there when Arceus did not? I think players that maybe would have played Arceus shifted, to, you know, some of the players that would have played Arceus shifted to Palkia. Um, but I also feel like just the tools surrounding the Palkia um, packet, like the tools that the Palkia package have are a little bit easier to maintain and set up. You have the Arceus package that you could play like Beedrill, but that's not particularly good if you factor in that there's going to be Palkia. Um, but that's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a convoluted thing to get out sometimes. Um, you know, you have to devote a lot of deck space to it. Um, but with the Palkia deck, you have all these different tools that just flow real nicely. You know, the Radiant Greninja is not only a setup Pokemon, but it can also attack. Uh, the Starmie is like another really solid one where uh, if you catch your opponent slipping, that Starmie can put in a lot of work. Um, the, the Palkia itself, you know, again, you're kind of limiting your opponent in ways that, um, you know, over the course of a game, you know, it might not seem that bad on an individual turn. You know, your opponent's thinking, okay, I'm not going to bench this Sobble because then it gives my opponent a little extra damage boost. Mm. But over the course of the game, maybe that, you know, has the ripple effect of, okay, they weren't able to get their Drizzile up on the next turn, thus they weren't able to get their Quick Shooter on the, you know, the next turn from that, and then they weren't able to set up a KO. Like, it just kind of compounds on itself the ways that Palkia can make um, decks have to choose and players have to choose what to what to bench. So I think... You know, again, I think if some of my matchups kind of buffed out a different way, I'd be telling a different tale. I have some really like rough, <laughs> rough uh, stories from Wang. the weekend. <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, but but that's what I would say is like the package that surrounds the Palkia is um, is pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, I think my take on it, and let me know if you feel differently, is what Palkia and Ice or and Arceus kind of trade off against each other is Arceus has. Um, some more like inherent like consistency in getting its game plan off because it accelerates with its attack and it has the um, the starbirth ability which is mm -hmm. you know the most crazy ability you've ever seen. Uh, but Palkia trades and it has the healing potential is what the Arceus also has. You know the tank right. and heal right. strategy. You know has no weakness with the Dunspars. It's able to chance care that kind of stuff. Palkia trades those benefits for the benefits of really like high explosiveness uh, like getting very high damage numbers out of nowhere uh, and getting those oko potentials right that arceus can't reach for you know palkia can get actually a surprise like 80 damage 100 if you get a quick shooting on board you know you got the leons you got the choice belt and you got the echoing horn and then potentially a quick shooting that's 80 to 100 damage that you can kind of just get that your opponent isn't really able to play around any of those things. Um, you know, they could play their bench super thin and you could still reach for Oko's with that kind right. of math going for it. Right. So I think that's kind of what Palkia brings to the table that Arceus lacks is that really shockingly high amount of damage and it can get there 
fairly consistently if you build the deck to do that. You know, the third place list that Mike's give, Mike Gibbs piloted definitely had that kind of energy, right? It had that kind of mm-hmm. explosive energy to it. We could belabor Palkia, though. It's the kind of deck that you could talk about for a while with all the Inteleon combos that get put together. Well, I do... I think- yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said for what the build of Palkia will be going forward. I really didn't like the version that I was playing, which was heavier on the research and the Marnie. And I do feel like with Palkia, and I was talking about this before the tournament, but I couldn't quite get any traction in the group um, about just a, Mar- a Melanie-focused build of Palkia. And while even that wasn't what ended up doing well, um, builds that didn't discard their resources with their supporters or shuffle their resources back into the deck like a research and marnie were not that prevalent in the lists of ice rider or palkia that did well and i thought that was really interesting because you're just trying to amass this big hand much in the way that suicune did yeah you know in in past formats much in the way suicune did of not playing research not playing marnie or maybe like a single count of one of them um you know you're able to just keep these big hands be able to pull off these different combos that you need and uh, really take control of the game that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually did like a lot the list that Mike Gibbs had. There are definitely changes that I would maybe look to make going forward. But, um, you know, if you're looking for a framework to start a Palkia list, I think that's a really solid starting point. Yeah, his list is interesting. I mean, there's the Luminion combo on turn one with uh with the new supporter the uh the arita so you go luminion v use the ability grab the arita out of the deck and then arita can get you a water pokemon and then any item card so you can go ahead and grab a battle vip pass if it's the first turn of the game and boom you have four pokemon in play and you're getting ready to v star power get an attacker set up and then just go ham on whatever they have on board i think that's really cool um it wasn't something that I put a lot of stock into because I was thinking about Arita as being like a one of also with a one of battle VIP pass. But I think maybe boosting that count could, um, you know, encourage me to like the combo a little bit more just because it's more easily uh, able to be, you know, performed on that second turn of the game. Also more likely to have it in hand without Luminion, which lets you use that quick ball for, you know, another card. Yeah, for sure. Or save the Luminion for an end game Leon or something. There's also a kind of more um, like I, I was I was dealing with a, a little bit of the, the cross switcher variant. I, I was kind of playing with that the night before and I was liking it to an extent. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how, you know, these these no research, no Marnie builds work, because that was maybe my missing piece. I was I was a little too uh, discard happy. In, uh, a little in too traditional in your deck building. A little too traditional, for sure. So I think there's one other deck that we should talk about before we jump into our card of the day and talk about the future of the meta here. And that, of course, is the Reggie deck. Nolan Frieda taking that Reggie deck to the top four, fortunately losing to Grant Manley with his Mew deck. I believe Nolan prized like, both Reggie Gigas or something in Game 3 and couldn't find the heavy ball or something like that. Um, really like a, a sad tale, maybe even sadder than, than your story, JW. Um, and <laughs> but Reggie is, like we were saying earlier, a very real one prize deck. It handles a lot of other rogue strategies very well as well. Uh, you know, things like the mill tanks of the world, things like the 
the sander type decks really struggle mm-hmm. against the reggie deck mm-hmm. um you know it's got a lot of cool things going for it i've really enjoyed playing it because it has that just awesome feeling of getting all six yeah. reggie into play and accelerating so your epic. crazy special energy you yes. feel like amazing if you scoop up net the reggie gigas maybe and accelerate twice it's so cool so JW, you know, having played in this event, what were your thoughts on the Reggie deck? Well, it finally feels like just the the list makes so much sense. You know, yeah. Andrew Andrew profiled the deck months ago, and you know it was good, it was cool, but that's kind of all we relegated it to, right? It's like, oh, it's cool, it's it's fun, like this would be a good meme deck, but just the build. I was really impressed with because it kind of brought this deck into the into the forefront in my mind of being. I would I would honestly say like a top three deck at this point. Like it has the power, it has the it hits the weaknesses that you want to hit. It doesn't even need to hit for weakness, you know, but that's just like an added bonus, right? Yeah. Um and it and it is consistent enough. Is it like overly consistent? Not particularly, but there are certainly things that you can do to make it, you know, slightly more consistent. I digress. Um but one of the things that I really like about the deck uh is that you know, there's space in it, right? So you can play the trekking shoes. Um, you can play the Hisuian heavy ball. Like you can play all these weird little techs if you want it. Um, the other really interesting um, take on the deck that we didn't see in the weeks leading up to it is the four speed lightning energy yeah. and the three Regilecki. I thought that that was like a brilliant um, combo there because of course you just want to attach energy every turn in the first few turns of the game. So like it doesn't really matter what you get down on where because you're going to be able to recycle it later with the regigigas so being able to attach a speed lightning which is you know that the two card draw it's really nice in a deck like this um is just kind of that oh aha that light bulb moment for me with this deck that really kind of unlocked a lot of the possibilities yeah of this archetype I totally agree. The speed lightning was kind of the the last piece of the puzzle that needed to be assembled for Reggie to feel smooth and consistent and it definitely makes a difference you know you Mm -hmm. feel it over the course of your games how much value the speed lightning is providing you you know that two cards that could be the difference between getting your sixth reggie in play and not in many games that could be the difference um you know you're also so easily able to get that reggie into play with the stormy mountains uh so it's just really awesome combo really cool to see and certainly like i think there's going to be people trying more and more things with the reggie deck i see it all over the ladder Mm -hmm. um and it's a force i think the only you know in my experience the only thing that reggie really doesn't like to see is like crazy strategies that are like completely anti-reggie yeah like galarian wheezing yeah like four galarian wheezings in play (laughs) with boost shakes (laughs) so you can't gust a coughing and um Ironically, like the Arceus decks can be really challenging because they'll play that Dunsparce and they can have a Manaphy in play and like Charon's Care Loop, it gets kind of nasty versus Arceus. Yeah. Um, but Arceus has definitely lost a substantial metagame share at this cross section of time. Yes. yes, definitely. Do I expect it to stay that way? Maybe not. <laughs> but it, at the current instant, as of recording this on June 1st of 2022, Arceus has lost some meta share. So I, I think that's the top eight and a lot of cool decks, a lot of cool ideas. 
Certainly more to explore in Astral Radiance. You'll notice we didn't call out Samurott or Darkrai. We didn't call out the Blissey Mill Tank deck. And maybe that's for the best. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to see any of that on the ladder for sure. Oh, I do, because I'm playing Reggie all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I guess before we go into into you know full read mode, do you do you think the uh the Blissey deck is real? Do you like it? I did play against one and I lost to it. Um well, you did I think a lot it's, of that, right? So Well, I went four two two, so you know a lot fair fair amount of fair amount of losing i would say yeah yeah fair amount of losing um (laughs) you know it was uh it was kind of it was kind of crushing um no pun intended like the crushing hammers are are really just a strong card um we've kind of seen a little bit of a resurgence lately in crushing hammer um it just won vancouver crushing hammer arceus right so uh it's still a good card in the format for sure um so that is always going to be somewhat real. Like anytime you throw a crushing hammer into a deck that can, <laughs> the deck that can is one- real now. <laughs> well, no, it yeah. can, you know, it, it has the potential to win and it can one hit KO. Right. So you have yeah. this like wall strategy that you can pivot fairly easily into like an O hit KO strategy. Um, it as its flaws. <laughs> That's crazy that you just did an O hit KO. I did say, Oh, didn't I? <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> A one-hit KO strategy. Um, so, you know, there are aspects about it that I really like, and it has this kind of tanking potential. The problem, and I couldn't quite capitalize on it in my loss, uh, but the problem is just having the necessary amount of resources in hand. Um, you know, if you have a huge hand and you're able to maintain a big hand with that deck, you're eating good, right? You're going to be able to fan away, crushing hammer, heal, um Charon's care attach your energy like it's all good and you feel unstoppable and then you get marnied or you get rock sand and you don't have an attacker built up that's when things get really right. really scary if you can't maintain that hand presence so it feels like a real deck i think that this archetype is something that's going to be uh, further refined maybe it just turns into a mill tank deck you know ditch the blissey altogether but i like the blissey as a way to kind of steamroll opponents that maybe have a little bit of a slower start and you can really ramp up those huge numbers. So it feels real to me and I lost to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Blissey also, also does provide that pressure against decks that are maybe slowly building up to deal with mill tanks. Yeah. You know, the Blissey on board has a lot of presence to it. You know, you attack once with that thing and all of a sudden you're doing like 200 damage the next turn attack twice you're doing infinite damage the turn after that so you know i'm not a huge fan of the deck personally but i think the strategy does have some merit to it mm-hmm. now there's so many decks that we could talk about there's so much cool stuff going on in astral radiance we'll talk more about the future of the meta in the second half of the cast but jw why don't you give us a little bit of a breather with the card of the day yeah well we've been talking a lot about regigigas and i was thinking about some of the most famous regigigas cards from past formats and i think there's one that stands out to me this was about the time that i was starting to get into the game and this strategy that this regigigas employed was something that i had never seen before if you've never seen this deck play you got to go back and look at vods you got to go back and look at 
um, any videos you can on YouTube of Regigigas Level X. <laughs> so Regigigas Level X has a Poke Power Sacrifice, and it does kind of what you would expect here. Once during your turn, you may choose one of your Pokemon, and that Pokemon is knocked out. So you're willingly giving your opponent prizes, right? You're, it's your Poke Power. You knock out one of your bench Pokemon. Then... Search your discard pile for up to two basic energy cards, attach them to Regigigas, and remove eight damage counters from Regigigas. So the idea here is that you're knocking out your Pokemon, but you're keeping this Regigigas alive turn after turn. It's getting bigger, it's getting stronger, and even though you're sacrificing these bench Pokemon, there might actually be a good reason to. So Regigigas was paired probably most famously with the Mesprit from like Mysterious Treasure, I believe. Mm -hmm. But uh, there was a Mesprit that when you played it from your hand to the bench, it blocked all of your opponent's Poke Powers. So they would like to play Poke Powers that drew them cards or, um, you know, otherwise advance their board state. And you could just shut all that off by dropping one Mesprit. And so eventually your bench would get full of Mesprits and Uxies, maybe an Azelf in there. The lake trio was really, really popular in those days. Uh, but then you could just pick them off one by one. So you could keep creating room on your bench to be able to play down another Mesprit, play down another Uxie, whatever it was you wanted, and also heal from your active Regigigas. So it was a really cool card. Had a Giga Blaster attack that did 100 damage and discarded the top of your opponent's deck and then discarded one card from their hand. So you were also kind of get, getting rid of their resources turn after turn and it also had a drag off attack on the basic that could bring up something uh, from their bench if they were trying to build it up so it's just a really cool deck it had a lot of different options and it was pretty hard to play because you're kind of clocking yourself right like you have six prizes and you're gonna give them up turn after turn to your opponent and so you need to be able to you know manage that whole situation where you're trying to heal, you're basically tanking with a single attacker, and if that thing ever gets knocked out, then, you know, it's curtains. And you're <laughs> trying to just go in, turn after turn. It's it's a really cool deck, so I would uh, would recommend. And that's that's my card of the day, Regigigas Level X. Awesome choice. Yeah, that deck was bonkers. It was really good and insanely fun to play, but also very challenging. Well, it was really hard to play, and not a lot of people played it. And not a lot of people that played it played it well. So that's like kind of one of the, um, when you look back on that late SP format, Regigigas was one of those decks that, um, you know, wasn't really perfected until later on in the metagame. And you just didn't see a lot of people play it particularly well. Um, Definitely yeah, one of those just, like hindsight type decks. For sure. I think if you find that out, you know, kind of at the beginning of the format, then maybe it's a little bit bigger of a player and, and more people get hip to it, but uh, just wasn't really that popular. That's an awesome choice, JW. Thank you for your card of the day. And here at Tag Team, of course, we have someone else to thank, and that is our sponsors over at Manscaped. JW, why don't you briefly tell us about Manscaped? Yeah, well, you will not want to sacrifice your genitalia on the altar of bad grooming habits no that is not good the friends over at manscaped will keep your down there hairs in check 
with all their great products. We have been using everything from the razor to the ear and nose hair trimmer to the boxers to I had my brother down here. He used the uh, the shampoo and conditioner. He said he smelled great. So there you go. That's a just yet another positive review for the many, many products that Manscaped offers. Yeah, Manscaped offers some seriously great stuff. Listeners of the cast know that I will always plug the boxers that they have. And they just came out with the Boxers 2.0. That is the second iteration on a perfect product. That is insane (laughs) to me. (laughs) So you do not want to miss out on partaking in that Manscaped goodness. And the great news is that your friends over at Tag Team have got you covered. So if you go to manscaped.com, fill up your cart with all the goodies that you're looking for. All you have to do at checkout is use code tag team. That's code T-A-G-T-E-A-M. And if you pop that in, you'll get not only 20% off, but free shipping. That's right. Nobody likes to pay for shipping, so we're getting rid of it. We're making it free, and we're giving you 20% off your order. All you have to do is use code tag team at checkout, and you'll get to partake in some Manscaped goodness. Yeah, if you're listening, guys, and you're thinking, hey, I'd like to buy myself or someone I love a Father's Day present, this might be a great opportunity to do that. Go to manscaped.com, code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping. It's code tag team, manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping. Don't leave your Pokeballs in a psychic bind. Use Manscaped. Okay. Second half of the cast, JW. What are we looking at for the next few weeks here of astral radiance we saw mew take home the full grip tournament we're seeing a lot of palkia in the online space what does this mean for astral radiance what are you looking at as the top decks that you want to be testing out leading up to milwaukee well i think the one big question is how will and you know will arceus decks adapt will they adapt you know will players of arceus put in cards to counter both mew and palkia will they just focus on palkia what is the perfect mix what is the perfect combo i was thinking heading into full grip i was like okay what about arceus with flying pikachu i know that that has done uh, fairly well in japan at least at a few events and so flying Pikachu would be something that I would consider as like, okay, yeah, you're playing the uh, double turbo and you're playing the lightning energy. And so you can just power up a flying Pikachu. You don't even have to use the Arceus, right? So they could, <laughs> that could be like a decent attacker. Uh, there's also the surfing Pikachu. Again, hits for lightning weakest. But if you're playing the water package of Arceus, like the Melanies and such, uh, you can get that going pretty quickly. These are some of the things that I was thinking about. Like how do I leverage the Arceus to have, um, you know, just the inherent consistency that Arceus decks have, but then fit in, you know, the best lightning attacker that I could. I, I was thinking about the VMAXs in particular because they just have such high HP. So right. you could try to force like a seven or eight prize game going with the uh, couple of Arceus and then try to hit with a Pikachu and then just force your opponent to take just a ton of uh you know do a ton of damage to take those knockouts so that was kind of where my head's at with that 
Yeah, honestly, I've had my head in kind of a similar space as I want to like figure out how to play Arceus. My two ideas that were sitting at the or 2.5 ideas. The 1.5 is Flying Pikachu. I've tried that out a little bit online. It feels okay. Mm-hmm. Like fine. Um and then the 0.5 was I'm kind of interested to try it out with like the Beedrill package. You know, we've seen some people try like the Beedrill package in these more wacky Arceus variants. And the leg up, I think, that the Pikachu has is it's just a free retreater, the Flying Pikachu. Yes. So right. it's like a pretty okay card to have on your board uh, in the Beedrill deck because you can use it to retreat into your Beedrill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, win for everybody. Yeah, I mean, if you think about other partners, um, you know, other like VMAX partners that we've seen Arceus pair with, um, they all have high-ish retreat like the one preeminent one is obviously the the uh the duraludon right mm-hmm. so um you know that that boy is real fat you got to make sure you're playing a switch <laughs> or two to make sure to get him out of the active but i feel like the pikachu is kind of cool because you know he's got that free retreat that's just a huge bonus uh, in yeah. today's day and age totally so that was something i was thinking about was the pikachu as well uh, in various forms and then I was also even thinking of just trying, like, more of an Andrew Dankus, Pablo Mesa-style, like, straight Arceus. You know, I think mm-hmm. I referenced that last week. I still think there's some potential there. Just get a big charm on an Arceus, keep your bench thin, and say, nothing can deal with this. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely times over the weekend as a Palkia player that my Arceus opponents, whether or not they meant to, only had one benched Pokemon and were <laughs> able to really effectively deal with the threat of Arceus. They didn't over discard. So I wasn't able to, you know, get them with the echoing horn. Yeah. Um, and they just, you know, whether or not, again, whether or not that was the intended game plan, it really kind of hurt because they had their Arceus on board and then they had maybe either a second Arceus or, you know, their backup attacker or Gyarados or something. Um, and it just really kind of haltered what I was trying to do as a Palkia player. So, um, you know, I certainly think that, that Arceus has a uh, possibility to play around it. Now do Arceus decks try to look for ways to limit further the damage output of Palkia by, instead of playing maybe the, the, um, you know, Inteleon package, maybe shifting more towards a Bieberol package. That, I think, is certainly um, po- a possibility. I think there's there's chances of that. It also, like, the Bieberol package is more resilient against Roxanne. cards that hate a- against Roxanne and also cards that hate against Inteleon. You know, if you're playing Jolteon or weird stuff like that, Bieberol is obviously unaffected. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you have crazy uh, Arceus Malamar decks, for example, like, those can't really do anything versus B-Barrel, <laughs> whereas right. they obviously thrive against the Inteleon package by getting that Jolteon down. So I think Arceus is, in my opinion, it's a little bit underexplored in the Astral Radiance format. I think people are really excited by the new cards, and rightfully so. They're exciting cards. <laughs> yes. But, you know, som- sometimes the card that won, like, every event is worth looking at. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, it's at least worth considering, you know, keep it in your head. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, this is not the end of Arceus by any means. I, I don't think it's, it's going to be a lot of uh, experimenting though, to try yeah. to get the right mix of what's that, what's that attacker. Cause I do feel like, and maybe you feel differently here, but I, I don't really think that the, um, I don't really think that the Beedrill package, you know, really makes a lot of sense anymore. If you figure that Palkia is going to take a significant, portion of the metagame share i think it just depends on 
ultimately your goals and kind of what you're thinking of going into a tournament like maybe you feel like it's otherwise good enough against palkia you still include the b because you think it's valuable enough in other matchups uh, or you maybe make the call that like b doesn't do anything anymore so i'm just going to play dark plus pikachu or one mm-hmm. of the two um or none right. of the two <laughs> you right. know arceus right. is just so flexible as an archetype that you can basically make anything work um if you put your mind to it so that's kind of the benefit of it you know you see some really crazy arceus decks you go down the boonies um you'll see arceus decks with like four different energy types mm-hmm. <laughs> um i'm certainly not playing any of those but you know you can justify two <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think another of the kind of um decks caught in the crosshairs of this palkia shift of the metagame is urshifu you know, I actually was going to comment that I think Urshifu is a little bit underexplored right now um, because Urshifu does get some interesting new tools. You know, you have the Canceling Cologne, for example, where if on your Yoga Loop turns, you can pull off some pretty crazy stuff by just gusting up the Manaphy and cloning it and mm-hmm. then using your Rapid Flow, for example. Um, so those are honestly the decks that I'm most interested to explore right now are the existing decks and making them fit into the metagame shifts sure sure and that's that's a good point here um i mean certainly we've seen urshfu decks get a little crazy with the text and i wouldn't be surprised to see canceling cologne just with how prevalent the manaphy is so that'll be something that we can explore a little bit but it just doesn't seem like arceus is that well positioned um i mean we're we're one unofficial event into the format um but it just i don't know to me it just doesn't feel like it has uh the right matchup spread for it i to be, i just wonder if people are gonna end up coming back to arceus you know maybe not for milwaukee but maybe like by naic maybe people are considering arceus more and more i just feel like people are so excited by the new cards and again mm-hmm. like rightfully so there's a lot of cool new cards that are fun to play and are impactful on the metagame but is that something that will will stay you know will there be this few arceus going forward and i don't think the answer is yes nor do i necessarily think uh that urshfu will uh necessarily need arceus to find success either mm. you know like it urshfu is really good at dealing with those wide bench type inteleon decks as well you know just snipe the inteleons all you have to do is get that manaphy out of play so i don't i think it's it's too soon to write any of our old titans off i mean we saw mew win the full grip event so you know i think there's more to be seen with all of our old titans sure are there any decks that maybe didn't place well at full grip that uh new decks i should say out of the astral radiance meta uh, or or uh you know out of the astral radiance expansion that you were surprised maybe didn't do particularly well um I'm kind of going to answer your question, not as you asked it, but one <laughs> one deck that I that almost made top eight, so it didn't quite get in that top eight threshold, but I think is actually good um, and will likely continue to not see a lot of play just because of the deck that it is, is Control. Um, control can struggle against Reggie. There has, to, there has to be some sort of answer out there for Reggie that I just don't realize. Probably like a Napoleon V or something, but outside of that like the matchups are improved substantially i think because now instead of relying on this silly little altaria you have a the mill tank 
you know my mm. biggest criticism of sanders old control deck the one that had the zoric package is you're doing so much just against like the arceus decks in particular just right. so you could get this altaria in play and keep it alive well and you had to loop it right because right well you had to you had to have the altaria with the pot helmet a swablu on the bench a gorbis yeah. on the bench if they played quick shooting uh manaphy on the bench you need all this stuff just to like stay in the game at all versus arceus and if you managed to get all of it in play and they didn't have any gust left you won but that was a tall order um whereas now the mill tank is such a low maintenance package by comparison so you have that going for you in addition to all the other really cool tools that you have with that kind of eldegoss loot package you know you have the umbreon sun and moon badge type thing going on you have just all the crazy supporters that you can loop over and over with eldegoss so i think there's something there and that's another archetype that excites me that i don't think we'll see a ton of play you know control never sees a lot of play but I think it's something that's pretty good heading into Astral Radiance. How about another deck that was um, pretty well represented at full grip, but didn't have the finishes? Hisuian Samurai. Yeah, I think that's kind of where your question was leading, was Samurai. Yeah. Um, Samurai seems just kind of like okay to me. Samurai can reach for numbers in like... It's, all, it's weird because Samurai theoretically is lower maintenance to get to like 250 damage than palkia but i think in practice it actually struggles to execute on that consistently you know you don't have access to melanie you don't have access to an ability that just accelerates three energy into play um you don't have access to an item that can draw two energy out of your deck you don't have access to an item that can draw two energy out of your deck you have to be on the bench to use dark patch uh it's just like a lot of weird things that make it hard for Samurott to like consistently get the game plan that it wants. I do think it has like some potential still, um, you know, it can reach some pretty crazy numbers in the early turns, especially, mm-hmm. but I think it's just not quite a consistent enough package to consistently thrive. You yeah. know, it's, you'll probably see spatterings of placings for Samurott, but unless like the engine is figured out and smoothed out, I don't expect it to be like a consistently topping deck. Mm-hmm. Do you have any dissenting opinions on that? I, I would agree with you. I think that's where uh, my head's at there with the Hisui and Samurott. Um, you're just just not as consistent as these other V-Star decks, the Arceus, the Palkia. Like you're yeah. just going to be less consistent and for what right like you're less <laughs> consistent and you're not really doing anything that's um particularly crazy in comparison so yeah i think that analysis is spot on there's another dark deck that also had um a top 16 finish over at full grip and that is the dark cry v star i think we should give a little bit of credence to that deck i was playing the palkia deck the night before the full grip tournament and i ran into a dark rye v star deck on the ladder and it absolutely popped <laughs> off and that's i made a little tweet about it i was like you know i'm not a, i wouldn't actually be shocked if dark rye won the event just because of how smooth the deck ran it got a uh you know a couple of dark ride down it got a couple of dark patch down in that first turn i was able to get a moltrace on the bench it was able to get exp shares in play like it just felt like it had you know 
like seven energy on board after the first turn. And then from there, it just, you know, compounds on itself with the energy attachments and the mole trace and the baby mole trace accelerating from hand. Like it was doing 300 damage by turn three and it just felt unstoppable. So, um, you know, that was the genesis of that tweet. And I really did feel like after one game, seeing the power level of the deck, I was like, oh my gosh, this could really be a thing. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Darkrai is probably a little undervalued at the start of this format. You know, I felt like people were really excited in the months leading up to Astral Radiance. And then people realized like, yeah, you know, maybe this is just not consistent. I don't really like this anymore. You know, you're bad if you play Darkrai type fives is kind of what I was getting. Mm -hmm. But I think, the real key to making decks like this successful is like really streamlining it. You know, Darkrai should really do nothing but draw cards and attach energy mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. And I think right now, the way that people are building decks, very like tech heavy, very like exploratory with their lists. And you just can't do that with decks like Darkrai. You have to just be go, go, go. I'm going to research every turn, maybe boss one turn out of the game. And I'm going to get a million energy on board and win. Um, And I think the folks who have kind of realized that have made some pretty awesome lists. You know, I've seen Darkrai in the ladder a fair amount as well. And it's always been threatening fairly quickly into the game. Um, So I, the question almost is like, can the deck continue to innovate in my opinion? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, like you might consistently be doing that damage, but doesn't matter if like you're playing against Mew and they're just turn two knocking you out going second or turn one go- knocking you out going second and like you're just trading evenly from there like doesn't even matter at that point right um, or same kind of the same idea with Palkia like if they go first and you know take a knockout before you can really do anything does it even matter right. and I think that's where Darkrai struggles is because it has to be so straightforward it lacks the trickiness <laughs> that some of these other decks have um to like really stay in the game if it falls even a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I played a lot of Mew on like the Friday and Saturday uh, yeah. last weekend. And I was like trounced in dark rise because exactly what I described. Like I would take a knockout before they did and they right. can't win after that. Right. Absolutely. Is there any room in the meta for a counter box deck? I'm thinking something that maybe has, Raikou maybe has Galarian Moltres. Maybe it's combined with some kind of Arceus package, uh, but it's, you know, maybe a Hoopa as well, just kind of playing all these different basic attackers to try to hit for different weaknesses. Is there something like that that um, you see as being, you know, a deck that has the potential to win any of these upcoming tournaments? In all honesty, I've never thought of Counterbox decks as being tournament winning decks. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. if I'm keeping it 100, I've never liked them. I've never liked the counter energy decks. I never liked, like, silly little Zorark decks that played every, th- every single weakness. Like, they just never really vibed with me. And I kind of still have that opinion. I think those strategies are inherently not able to execute very consistently uh, because they have so much going on. And typically they have to, like, run really odd counts of things you know Mm -hmm. so they get really Mm -hmm. hurt by prizes or opening hands just not really my thing so to answer your question like not really i don't think so 
you know, I certainly think there's room to explore. You know, you have the Jirachi V now, which is like a cool way to kind of like keep those counter attackers powered up. But I think ultimately, like, they just can't jam in enough stuff to. They can't. They both can't jam in enough stuff to like hit everything they need. And they're not consistent enough, even with the stuff that they have jammed in, to like really thrive. Right. Right. Any other decks that we haven't talked about that you want to hit on? Um, nothing too crazy. I think we hit kind of like the big hitters in, in my book. I guess, does anything jump out to you? Yeah, I mean, there is that. That uh, I, I'm just curious to see what people will do with the mill tank. Um, it felt like from what I was seeing, like, okay, mill tank Blissey, like, fine. You know, that feels fine. But like you were saying earlier, there definitely is room in the stall archetype, the mill archetype, to uh, incorporate the Blissey in a big way. Mill in tank a way unit. that, or the mill, yeah, excuse me, said Blissey. Yeah, incorporate the mill tank in a big way, in a way that, um, you know, Altaria just couldn't fill a void that Altaria just couldn't fill. So I'm excited to see what comes from the mill tank deck um in the future whether that is like an attacking strategy or more of a more of a stall strategy i think that would be a really cool kind of thing to put some time into heading into uh, if not milwaukee then at least heading into naic to at least have some kind of beat and some kind of read on what a you know optimal quote-unquote stall deck would look like in this format totally i agree so JW, before we sign off here, what's a piece of parting wisdom for the tag team listeners out there? Oh man, I think take, I think take Palkia seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, def, I definitely didn't, and I think it it cost me a little bit because I wasted a little bit of time not testing with Palkia, um, and you know ultimately I came to a list that I don't think was the best and i maybe if i had put a little bit more time into it i might have come up with a little bit better list um so that would be for me like in this format right now like palkia is a real real quantity i didn't give it the credence maybe you did and like you're way smarter than me for sure uh and i'm speaking to the listeners not you riley i know you're not smarter than me yeah i'm significantly stupider yeah for sure for sure so (laughs) You know, maybe you did give it the credence that it deserves, but I think it's, you know, it's certainly here to stay. It certainly feels like a tier one deck. Um, yeah, Palkia. Palkia is real. My piece of advice would be kind of like adding on to that, like get in the lab right now. You know, you have NAIC in Milwaukee, and they're going to be in the infancy of a format. This is the biggest time in a format where you can capitalize on uh, people being- not knowing what cards do. Uh, both that and just being the most prepared, right? Yes. Because you know, yes. not everybody will be willing or able to put in the time. So if you're listening to this cast, like now is the time to really get in the lab, get your hands dirty, figure out exactly the car- the counts that you want, the cards you want to include, the deck that you're looking to play, and run the heck out of it. Run it against the yeah. gauntlet, figure it out, have all its matchups memorized, and that's how you will actually see success at Milwaukee and NAIC. I will also say from this weekend like spice is very good like i'm going to be looking for some spice heading into milwaukee because there were a lot of times during the course of this tournament where i was like ah well they definitely don't play this card (laughs) and then they played that card and i was like oh my gosh you you got me like you deserve to win this game because you just smoked me 
with this random card and uh you know gg well played um so yeah i'm gonna be looking at some spice here riley for uh for milwaukee for sure i'm excited so get in the lab respect palkia and get spicy is the takeaways for the listeners who are looking to prep we hope you all enjoyed this episode and if you did there is some awesome ways that you can show your appreciation or to let us know what we can do better First and foremost, make sure to leave a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms if you feel so inclined. That boosts us up in the algorithm, lets us know what we're doing well and what we can improve, and also uh, just just generally helps the cast. You know, we really appreciate your feedback. And if you want to get plugged in to JW and I, we are present on social media, primarily Twitter. So you can find us at Smiles with Riles for myself, at Real John Walter for JW. And you can subscribe to the Tag Team Podcast on Twitter by going over to Tag Team Pokemon. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for us this weekend. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you on next week's episode. Take care. Peace. See ya.